Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us, episode 29 with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris as we continue on throughout uh, almost getting to one full month of episodes. That's pretty rad. I mean, it's more than one month, but 30 days of episodes would be one full month of episodes coming up next week, which is pretty cool. You could listen to one episode a day for a month and be caught up. Yeah, exactly. And they're only like 45 minutes, so what? Yeah. Commute commute your car for 45 minutes? Pop us in. It's great. Whatever. I mean, just listen wherever you want. You can listen in the bath or the shower if you want. I don't know. I listen to podcasts sometimes in the shower. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just, not that great, though, just because... You can't can be, hear it over the yeah, water. Yeah, it's a little muffled on, like, I've got one of those UE booms, plus the water. Yeah, it's a little muffled, so I try not to. I have oftentimes tried to listen to stuff while in the shower. I don't have anything that's in the shower that I could put it in that would be mm-hmm. protected. But, like, you leave it outside, and you just you close the the little door or the curtain, and it's like... Yeah, I started. And you're like, oh god, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I started. I started putting my UE boom on the like shampoo rack, just under the faucet. I'm mm-hmm. sure it takes a little sprinkle, but oh, I'm a little. <laughs> I'm sure that gets way more water, water damage than you're giving it credit. But for. I've been doing that for years, and it's in good shape, so it works. So on the episode today, we will be discussing the future of breweries in Portland specifically because that's what we know best at least right now. We can't really speak for other cities. There are other cities that are growing, there are other cities that are shrinking, etc. But uh, there was some big news that just popped a day or two ago that kind of led us to this conversation. And we're not going to do another in the brews episode because we just did that a couple weeks ago and this is relevant to that, but we'll just we'll skim over it. So the future of breweries in the Portland area is uh, going to be this week's podcast. Find us on social media at Mike Lynch twenty seven on Twitter is me. Patrick's at P Diddy zero eight five on Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio dot com, to the fan dot com, uh, all of the various places. And then let us know how you think on social media and what you're what you're thinking about the podcast and any places we should go or any beer that you're drinking. Uh, we appreciate it. And it's just fun to hear from you guys as you listen along with us on the podcast. So we'll get to the the future of breweries here in a second. But it was Super Bowl weekend this yep. past week. And that is an interesting time. It reminds <clears throat> me of the holidays a little bit in terms of it's not necessarily a beer-only event. No. But it is more beer-only than, say, Thanksgiving is. When we talked about that, I remember going, yeah, it's more of a wine thing for me because my family likes wine a lot. But the Super Bowl is more beer-friendly, but it doesn't mean only beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I <clears throat> I do think it is heavy on the beer, though, as opposed to the other holidays. I mean, this, I mean, w- wouldn't you say the Super Bowl is probably in the top five drinking holidays of the year? Yeah, probably. You've got Super Bowl, 4th of July. Yep. Um, Memorial Day. Labor Day. Yep. Halloween. Yep. St. Patty's Day. 
Okay, so you've named six. New Year's Eve. I don't normally think of La- Labor Day. I think Memorial Day because it's usually like an early spring or early summer weekend. Yeah. And it's a party usually. It's I'm going to go away from Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. I don't feel the same about Labor Day. Uh, Maybe that's I, because I work on Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I travel both days. So I'm in Idaho on Memorial Day. I'm in Central Washington on Labor Day. So lots of drinking is there. Maybe we just have a lot of excuses of days to be drinking. Maybe on. we don't need to make excuses and we can make any day a good drinking Does day. Does today end in a Y? I'm probably going to be drinking. Yeah, today is my Friday, so I can uh, I can go home and have a little fun tonight. Today is not my Friday. I've got a long week. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. I've got family coming in tomorrow at uh, ah, like noon-ish, somewhere around there, noon, one. And uh, so I, I got plenty of time to sleep in if I need to after tonight. <laughs> Yeah, not me. I'll be at the brewery all weekend. Well, all right. Um, weekend beer, though, at the Super Bowl. I went to a Super Bowl party with you yep. of your friends that you grew up with, mm-hmm. and uh, you didn't bring a keg, you you jerk. I know. I posted this for everyone out there. If I ask a question on social media needing an answer, clicking the like button does not mean yes. Okay. Cool. Okay. We good with that? Apparently, I need you to respond and say, yes, I will help you drink a keg. Apparently, Patrick got one comment that said, yeah, I'll drink. And then he got like five likes. And he went, well, only one person's going to drink this keg. No keg for me. Yeah, I brought a keg last year and we drank like a quarter of it. Mm. And I don't want to do that again. So instead you brought five crowlers. Five crowlers. And three sours. And three 12 ounce bottles of and a Stay six, West. Yeah. And then a 16 of Occidental Pilsner. Yes. That's what you brought. And to be fair, granted, when people found out you didn't bring the keg, two people left and brought beer of their own. <laughs> well, good. We did not <clears throat> run out of the Breakside beer. We did not. We, we did not. And we, well, actually, that's not true. No, we pretty much drank it we all. We drank it all, but we got to the end of it by the end of the game. So yes. it was, it was, it was a perfect amount of beer that you brought. So even though you didn't bring a keg, you jerk. <laughs> Doesn't understand how Facebook likes work. Uh, we, you brought enough beer, and that's the beer that I had this weekend. I didn't really have a crazy beer weekend or anything like that. Uh, I got back from Denver, which we talked about last week on the podcast. My wife went away again two days later to Las Vegas for for a conference. So I was just kind of home alone, hanging out, drinking, and stuff like that. So it was uh, it, it it was a pretty chill beer weekend for me. Yeah, mine was mine. You know, did that, and then Monday I went to WWE Monday Night Raw at the Moda Center, which was a dream come true. It was super rad. Um, the I, first time you've went? This uh, is in the Moda Center like once a year or twice I went, a year. I went to SmackDown once in the Tacoma Dome when I was in middle school. Uh, but my newfound love for wrestling brought me to uh, Raw on Monday night, which was okay. a super blast. Uh, we had great seats. We had the we. I was sitting where Casey Holdall seats when he reports on the Blazers. Oh, that's cool. So we were like on press row, so there were actual tables yeah. with like power strips. You could charge your phone. <clears throat> got some food, put it on the table, drank some beers, had a table, and it was awesome. That's pretty cool. And we were right next to, we were right next to the Widmer booth. So I mean, it was very easy to go get beers. I was drinking their Secret Stash IPA. Not bad, not bad. Okay, I was I was a happy camper. Not the bad you know, beer from Providence you Park. Know, yeah, you know how I feel about Widmer and big beer and stuff like that. But when you're at the Moda Center, sometimes you get trapped and you have no option. So I found a beer and I drank that and I was happy. And I know we reference it all the time on this podcast, but I purchased for myself while my wife was gone a six pack of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Whoa, nice. Whoa. And uh, it's it's not one that I normally purchase because mm-hmm. it's, you know we talk about it and it's a bit on the podcast. But I uh, I was like, you know what? 
You know what? <laughs> I've gotten I've gone to this supermarket and I've gotten every single six pack that they've had here before. I'm gonna get a pale ale. Uh, some cool beers that I've been drinking frequently that are out on the market. Um, just for funds to let you guys know kind of where I am right now. I've been drinking a lot of Elliot from Ex Novo. Um, just kind of <clears throat> with the haze craze, there's not a ton of like new West Coast IPAs coming out. So I've been kind of gravitating back towards some breweries' flagships, especially in package. Uh, so I've been drinking a lot of Ex Novo's Elliot. Uh, I've been drinking some Westside from Claim Fifty Two, um, which is which is a beer I actually really love for a brewery that does mostly hazy beers. Like guys, this West Coast is great. Do more West Coast. Uh, and then there is a new beer that I've been drinking, newish beer. <clears throat> excuse me, that I've been drinking from Barrelick, uh, Punk Rock Party. Okay, I think is what it's called. It's Amarillo Strata and Chinook hops. Very light bodied, just delicious hop character. If you see some of that out there, grab some. It's a cool label, too. It's kind of like you're going through your old reliables mm-hmm. in some sense, places that you've mentioned before that you mm-hmm. like a lot. And- yep. I go to Ex Novo frequently. I'm friends with the Bear Lick kids, as as you guys know from the from the Bear Lick podcast that we did. So, yeah, just kind of going back and drinking some of the, drinking some of the OGs. It's been fun. Well, that's uh, that's been our week in beer, but the week in beer for this brewery was... Not great. No so bueno. And uh, the brewery we're talking about is one that I gave love to just, I don't know, like a month and a half ago when I brought in their beer of the week, Burnside Brewing. And the news broke that within a night, they laid off all their employees, their locks got changed by the landlord, and they're probably donezo as a brewery. That's what it sounds like. I saw on... Let's see, where did I see this? It's funny, I think I actually saw this on Reddit. So there is a Portland Beer subreddit. It's actually kind of hot garbage in the (laughs) sense that there's just not a lot of traffic on it. Like there's a couple people on, like there's one guy that is always on there that's doing some reviews of beers. Um, his, his preferences of beers are not similar to mine, so I haven't really watched a whole lot of it. And there might be some other people that comment here and there, but there's just not a lot of traffic, so it's not as useful as it could be. Have you been posting our podcast on there? I posted, I let them know when we first did the podcast, I posted it on there, but you gotta be careful. You can't just like advertise, advertise, you'll get banned. But you're not advertising. If you're saying the guy posts videos of his reviews, you can just uh, say, hey, here's this week's beers on us. Yeah, I suppose I could do that. Maybe I'll do that. And uh, and so I saw it on there that somebody, an employee at- Think tanking mid-episode. <laughs> <laughs> an employee at Burnside had posted on their Instagram that they had- So Burnside was closed on Tuesday for a, quote, snow day. It had snowed on Monday. You know, a lot of schools were closed on Tuesday, so I understand that. But what happened was all the all-staff meeting, they came in and everybody was laid off. Yeah. The entire staff was laid off. Fast forward to the next morning. Then we see the next morning somebody else posted on Instagram that the locks had been changed and there was an eviction notice on the door from the landlord of the building citing that they had been that they had failed to pay rent for the last few weeks or few months, I should say, and who knows how long that dates back. That's, you know, private in-house information. But the guy, but the, the guy, the person who posted on Tuesday night uh, apparently said that they weren't even sure if they were going to make payroll on Friday. Mm. They told their employees to file for unemployment immediately, gather all of your belongings that you have, and then after the eviction notice, if you still had stuff in there, you now have to contact the landlord to get that back. Because once you get evicted, all property inside is now seized. Hmm. So if you left your ten grand in small bills at work that day, that was a bad idea. Yeah. 
That is that's a crazy story. It reminds me a lot. If you, if any of you guys out there remember, this happened a couple of years ago. Blitz the uh, the pubs. They had a chain of pubs here in Portland. Mm-hmm. I had like three or four locations. Just all within a day did the same thing. Yeah. Except it was way less cool. It was not even an all staff meeting. The workers got to work that day. There was a sign on the door that said, "This restaurant is closed. You guys are fired." <laughs> they didn't talk to the manager. Oof. They didn't talk to the owner or anything like that. And it just it was gone. And they had multiple locations, and they were all gone. Yeah, so I, I have this reminds me of that, but just at least, hey, all staff meeting, we're going to tell you what's happening, sort of, even though it's a day before it happens. Well, the Blitz, the Blitz Lad closing, uh, well, Blitz Lad being there, I would like to thank them because I went there for a, for a like a trivia competition. Some friends were in. I just went for some moral support, have some beer, and I thought the tap list was really disgusting, and I was bored. Oh, no, no, no. Their bathrooms had flooded. And oh. he needed to go to the bathroom. And the bartender was like, oh, there's a place next door. Just go next door and use the bathroom there. I went next door, used the bathroom, and sat down and drank three beers. And that place is Bear Lake Brewing. And that's how I found Bear Lake. So <laughs> thanks, Blitz Lab. You guys are the best. <clears throat> uh, but and yeah. you bailed on your friends. <laughs> and I bailed on my friends. Um, but, yeah, it's it it's pretty wild. You know, Widmer did that, you know, not just in closing the tap room recently, but I knew I, I had an employee whose roommate, coincidentally, was a guy I spent a lot of time with at Wazoo. He was a cook for Widmer at the time, and he came home when they had the full restaurant. He came home one day, and... He was like, hey, Rumi, just so you know, we all just got fired. He was like, why? So Widmer did the same thing. You know, they when they decided to close the pub down and turn it into a tap room, they only retained like four or five people mm. and just brought everyone in, in an impromptu staff meeting and said, you're all fired. Good it's luck. interesting, though, because it's probably two very different decision trees. Because Agreed. Widmer's not struggling with money. <clears throat> they probably just got They're it just from... struggling with intelligence. They just, they just got it from Big Beer. Hey, Close this, and they mm-hmm. went. Well, got to do it now. Whereas yep. it sounds like Burnside was struggling mightily with money, um, and that and that's not to say we don't know why they're struggling with money. They could have just not been doing well selling beer, mm-hmm. or they could have just really poorly mismanaged their money, and, or someone was stealing money. It could have yeah. been as, as yeah. devious as that, uh, skimming <laughs> money off the top, and they didn't have their full funds to be able to pay them off the building and pay their their staff. Yeah, it it could, could have been any anything, anything. So don't. What I would say is, if Burnside's done, don't don't necessarily say they're done because they suck and they weren't doing well. They could be done for any matter of reasons. Yes, this is true. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and say that. But it leads to a much bigger question because we talked about this a little bit in a couple of our in the bruise episodes. A couple of places closing or or limiting locations. We've talked about Widmer. We've talked about Lompoc. We've talked about um, Portland Brewing. Portland Brewing. We've talked about uh, God. I'm going to forget their name now. What's the new one? Oh, oh, Royale. Royale, Royale Brewing. And we've talked about a bunch of them, really. There's mm-hmm. been a couple others, too, that I'm blanking on at the moment. And now Burnside. And it kind of leads to the bigger question is, what is the future of breweries in Portland? Because I, just, I remember a couple months ago, I, I was talking to people in interviews saying, it seems like there's there's some closures here and there, but it seems like if you open a brewery, you're thriving. And it's it's how it seemed that generally it was hard to fail in the brewery world. Even if you weren't top-notch, people would still come because you were in a certain location and there mm-hmm. was beer, etc. Now, because of all of this news, it's making me think, A, was I really wrong? Or B, was it just a matter of me saying that at a time when it was about to end? 
being like that, and we were going to start to see some breweries start to close because we had reached a peak of breweries in Portland or something. Is that is it just that simple? Have have we as a city reached the limit of how many breweries you can have that can stay open and be successful? No, I mean we've we've talked about this. I've I've said this countless times on this podcast and and in my real life, personal and at work, I'll say this all the time too. It like this town is not, in my opinion, I do not feel this town is like oversaturated because if you make good beer people will come to you no matter what like ruse opens and they're darlings all of a sudden because they make great beer so you know and i've talked about this with like level in the past like level doesn't seem like a new brewery because they're making quality beer so i think as long as you're making quality beer you're going to be just fine sure a neighborhood might get saturated a little bit but i don't think as a whole on the market it is plus at the same time when we get to seeing like closures and stuff like that, I think a lot of it has to do with, with back to it, with the quality of your beer. So that was going to be my next question is, so you're saying that me, my statement from a couple months ago, isn't necessarily wrong. No, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. So that you can still open up a brewery in this town and be wildly successful even though there's already 115 breweries in in the city. Yeah, I know some people that just op- that just helped open uh, Vegabond, the new the new brewery in Southeast, and they're from Salem, and they're opening a new facility, or they opened this week a new facility, and you know we'll see how that goes. The place looks great; it got a bunch of pub on social media. Um, you know, we wish you all the best and all that kind of jazz. But we'll see if the beer becomes mediocre. Then who knows? I've never personally had a Vegabond beer, so I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't have an opinion on that. But if you can if you can make a consistent quality product, then we should be good to go. There's weird things about it. I was at I was at a tap house last night talking with some talking with some some of the regulars there. Everybody's like, oh, it's so crazy that Burnside closed. I can't believe it. Another one goes down. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I asked every single one of them, when was the last time you went to Burnside? When was the last time you bought a Burnside beer? And everyone stared at me with blank glares in their eyes uh the last time i went was two months ago and the last time i bought one was a couple weeks ago you're the only person i know Mike. <laughs> and I, i'm not saying that's a bad thing or or a good thing or it's just kind of the reality you are the only person i know that is that has visited and or purchased their beer and so it's this like oh no what are we going to do what are we going to do well the consumer you as the consumer you get to vote if breweries stay open or not you know, let's take Commons, for example, that closed down a couple years ago. Commons is a fantastic brewery. They made great beer. It was a really funky, cool spot. They had, like, cheese plates and stuff like that with this kind of farmhouse-style beer. And everyone loved it. And I was there on their closing night, and it was really sad to see that place go. But again, I started having the conversation. How often were you going to Commons? How often were you at New Seasons buying Myrtle or Urban Farmhouse? And everybody's just like, oh, I wasn't. And you're like, there you go. That's what's dictating it is whether it's the quality of the beer, the packaging of the beer, the labeling, the pricing, all that stuff goes into it. If people aren't buying your beer, it's it's hard to stay afloat. So then again, I'll I'll ask the question. I mean, maybe other people didn't think Burnside was very good. I remember coming on this podcast and saying, I like this place. I think it's it's underrated. I think they make really quality beer and they've got really good food there, which I, I do believe they had great food there. But um I'll go back to, is it just a little bit of oversaturation in terms of, maybe not in terms of being successful, but in terms of there being so many options now for the consumer that even if you like X, Mm -hmm. even if you've been there before, and even if you had that reaction that the people you were talking to had, 
you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to go buy too sticky to roll today because you have 50 other places that you're drinking beer from. Is that it's oversaturation in a different way. It's oversaturation to the consumer, yeah. not necessarily in terms of places in the city and, and being able to stay open. Yeah, I would agree. But, you know, I think that's why you as a brewery have to keep keep tabs on what's going on in the market. You know, I mean, I don't work in sales. I don't work in marketing for Breakside, but I have personal fun, you know, and, and now we have this podcast, which kind of even makes it double more fun of just kind of seeing trends and stuff like that. And you have to watch it. And if you're starting to see that, you know, if this if this product isn't moving in a store, um, what's wrong with it? Is it is it that the label is it that it's, you know, the style there's there's too many IPAs and. <clears throat> So we don't want to get in the IPA world right now because there's too many IPAs for people to choose from or too many Pilsners for people to choose from. You know, you got to start looking at that kind of stuff and see, you know, why are, is this not working? I think Burnside did take a step towards that. They did rebrand, I want to say, like a year ago. Um, but, I mean, I I don't even remember if I like their beer or not. It's been that long since I've had it. So, And that that can be also like a word-of-mouth thing. You know, it's been a while since I've had somebody outside of you say to me, Oh man, have you should try this Burnside beer. Like what's new? Is there anything different hitting the market? I need reasons to go to these places. Some sort of pub that's going to get that's going to get the engines and the synapses firing again to say, "Oh, you know, I haven't been to Burnside in a long time. I should go down there and check it out." I haven't had that feeling. And I don't know if that's any fault to them. I don't know if that's the way beer is covered in this city. Um, I don't know if that's ignorant, me not thinking that could fall on me as well, but there's all those little factors that you just have to keep in mind. Cause we've talked about this before about the, the kind of, uh, what's the, what's the right word for it? The kind of the crazy push for new, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We're always looking for the new thing. It's not necessarily just a beer thing. It's a, it's a people thing, right? We, yeah. we currently it's today's society, what's new, what's fresh. We currently in society want new all the time, like platinum blonde hair and Yes. You should take a picture of that. Yeah, I do have for, platinum blonde for, hair. For the podcast, yeah. It is platinum blonde. Mm-hmm. And you're wearing uh, bandanas again because of it. Yep. It's like I'm 23 all over again. <laughs> um, the question is, and we've talked about this with some of the OG breweries. I, I forget who it was that I asked about this, but um, are you still going back and drinking Deschutes, Bridgeport, Full Sail, whatever? Just say whatever, say whatever you will. Whichever one you drink a lot. Or is it now, ah, that'll always be there. I'll get to that, but I got to try this. 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 And you could still love the OG breweries, Mm -hmm. but now you're not supporting them anymore. Now, hopefully they're big enough. They're OGs that they'll be able to survive even without your support, but you're one person. And if that's society now and society now is saying, hey, I need everything new, then it's not just one person. It's thousands of people who are saying, ah, I'll I'll get back to that beer, but I got to go try this great ruse beer. You know, it's. It, it, is that potentially leading towards, again, not necessarily for the big boys, but in terms of maybe older breweries that have been in the city for a long time, which Burnside had a pretty long run mm-hmm. in terms of being in, I think it was, what, 15 years? Something, something like, like that? that, yeah. Um, places like that that ne- didn't necessarily get the OG status but have been in the city for a long time are just being forgotten. Well, and they're I not see, they're not making bad beer, they're not making bad food. Yeah, I see but your, they're just getting lost in the shuffle. I see your point. Like when was the last time I had a Deschutes, Bridgeport, full sale, ten barrel. Probably on our podcast, mm-hmm. the OG beer episode. <clears throat> yeah, the last time I've had those beers aren't 
aren't anytime recent. And then you're right. They do not pop up into my head. I think and one, it's not because they're bad. No, it's not because they're bad. But I do think that one thing that's going to like help, and maybe this is what hurt Widmer, one thing that's going to help the Deschutes, the McMinimans, the Full Sail, the Bridgeports, is their location. So it's like, go downtown. That Deschutes pub is always banging. That's true. Always banging. And the one and in Bend is banging, too, Right, all the time. and it's not just because of locals. It's it's a big tourist spot. When people come in town, they want to go check out Powell's Books. And they're like, oh, Deschutes is down the road? Lunch. Done. Yeah, Let's do it. It's, it is a perfect spot, and that is true. Now, granted, So that's built in to help them. Granted, Bridgeport's location, although in the same neighborhood, kind of out by itself a little bit. But you're right. Burnside's location was not the best. Mm-mm. It was... It was convenient for me because there was a concert hall across the street that metal shows play at, and yeah. I went there before metal shows frequently. Um, but generally, there's there's one really fancy restaurant there called Le Pigeon, um, mm-hmm. yep. which is really nice. That was across the street from Burnside. But beyond that, the Burnside kind of food pod is is further away. It's yeah. the it, it's the screen door, fire in the mountain, matador. Uh, there's like a Greek deli down there. Eastburn. Yeah, Eastburn, all within that little pod is further down the street. Yeah. So you're not stopping at Burnside. You're going down the street to go to wherever, any of those Mm -hmm. options, and then you're just driving past it because it's on the way. So that might be part of it, too. It could be location. You're right. Yeah. Also also remember, like, Deschutes is a great example of this, and and I, I would say Ten Barrel is as well. Let's not forget that Deschutes still dominates grocery store sales. At Fred Meyer's, Safeways, things like that, because everyone that's a beer drinker that's lived in this town knows what Mirror Pond is. Everyone knows what Black Butte Porter is. And as a beer drinker, you will drink either one, if not both of those. So if you're someone that doesn't really care, you walk into this the Safeway down the street from your house, there's the Mirror Pond. We'll take a six of that home for the weekend. Have a couple tonight with the wife, maybe get a little frisky and drink the rest of the morning. I don't know. Drink so, the rest of the so, so you got to remember that that shower beer. <laughs> you got to remember that that still has a giant marketing plus. That yeah, sure. In the in the the tin buckets, the Belmont stations, the Cervezas of the world, the Bridgetown beer houses of the world. Sure, they might not be moving through a ton of Ninkasi, a ton of Deschutes, a ton of Ten Barrel, but those grocery stores are. I mean, there are people out there that have been buying Total Domination since 2002 and won't stop as long well, as it's I mean, in a six-pack. And I'll tell you the truth. And I, like I've said on this podcast many times, I am largely a grocery store beer shopper just because of where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've now been able to venture to John's Marketplace a couple more times and get some beer for myself. But generally, if I'm getting beer, it's from Albertsons mm-hmm. or New Seasons. And the Albertsons has Deschutes, a ton of Deschutes. A ton of it. An entire case is filled with only Deschutes beer. Yep. It has Hop Valley, it has Ninkasi, it has Pelican, it has Widmer, it has Bridgeport, um, has Rogue, it has Breakside. Ten Barrel. Ten Barrel. Ten Barrel. And Ten Barrel. That's basically in full sale slash session. Mm-hmm. That's the local beer that's in supermarkets. And there's, you know, occasionally there's different ones, and maybe I'm missing one just out of forgetting. Um like Fort George is there right now, mm-hmm. and, and Bowie is there right now as well, but that's a little smaller can situation. Um, those are the options you're getting at supermarkets. So all of those places, even if you're not going necessarily, you're right, that's what you're getting if you're going to Safeway, Albertsons, Fred Meyer, whatever, because that's what's in the store. Yeah. So that does change because Burnside didn't sell six-packs. 
Burnside didn't sell cans, as far as I know. Well, they had the they, they had, had twenty twos. They had the cooch lager that you could get at uh, plaid pantries all the time. Okay, right? Isn't that them? Yeah, that's them. I don't know. I had, I had not seen that. All the only thing I ever saw from Burnside was the two sticky to roll and the isomer IPA in twenty twos, and occasionally they had their permafrost, their winter beer in twenty twos. That was it. Yeah. And when you're looking at an entire case of twenty twos at a supermarket and you're skimming, there's two bottles. Yeah. Are you really going to notice that? Where's the brand recognition? Right, exactly. Well, so that, I, that could be part of it, too. And I, I also, I think you were talking and this thought kind of sparked in my brain, too. I think with Burnside specifically, it's like you're in this really dangerous middle ground. You're not, like, the brand isn't aware enough for great sales in grocery stores. However, there's nothing new and interesting to break into the tap house bottle shops. So for you as someone that say you predominantly buy your beer at Albertsons, you're going to miss it. Yep. I predominantly buy my beer at Cerevesa Bridgetown Beer House, mostly just because they're closer to my house than any grocery store. Uh, and, I, and I'm arrogant and picky and a jerk. <laughs> uh, and so and I walk in there and there's nothing new and fresh. So it's like you're kind of stuck in this no man's land. I, you know, I'm I'm sure if you go down to the Armory of Deschutes, a lot of their small batch beers are fantastic, and it's too bad you can't get them in package. But that's what gets you to go down there. Mm. Go get an abyss someday. <clears throat> because, but now Black Butte Twenty Six, mm. because they're mm. they have the small batch stuff that you. I know you got me dreaming. <laughs> because <laughs> they've got the small batch stuff in house that appeases to the crowd that's similar to me. And then because they dominate in grocery stores, that appeals to someone of your ilk, and not not in the sense of your palate. I mean, as a, negative. as a as a grocery store as a grocery store yeah, consumer, your ilk. You like well, wave your hand. Well, at me I don't. Like... I don't mean that. I just couldn't <laughs> think of a better term. I mean it in the sense of like I think a lot of people. I think you are an anomaly as a grocery store beer buyer. Um, because I, think, I also. Because you're like looking, you're perusing, you're yeah. seeing, okay, what's new? 90% of grocery store buyers buy the same thing or the same three different things every time. They're either going to buy Dead Guy, Joe IPA or Apocalypse, Widmer Hef, Mirpon, Black Butte. Total Dominate. Total whatever. Dom. Yeah. Dawn of the Red, whatever, you know. Yeah. Those people tend to, you know, oh yeah, my grocery store's got a great selection. Someone said that about the Safeway by my mom's house. I went in there and almost vomited all over the place. So I was like, this is good selection? Uh-oh. Well, But again, I, I will I'm, say, I'm a jerk, so I, I will compared, acknowledge that. Compared to other cities, our supermarkets have great selection. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. So if you've lived somewhere else and you go to your supermarket here and you're like, oh my God, look at all these beer options. These are like, people yeah. that have lived by my mom for like 20 years. Okay. So. All right. The Vancouverites. The Vancouverites. Well, okay. They just haven't ventured very far. So my final question on this topic, because we haven't really gotten to an answer, um, and maybe that, that could be the, the wrap-up, is is what do you think the answer to the, to the question is, is what is the future of breweries in Portland? But my last question before we get to that is, are we as consumers, even though we kind of touched on this, becoming more nitpicky? Are we becoming more and more particular about the beer that we like? Or... Is it purely just the supermarket, the 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 kind of the no man's land that Burnside fell in, where there's plenty of supermarket people that are not nitpicky and they just grab mm -hmm. the beer, and there's plenty of people who are more like you who are way more nitpicky and they want to find the new thing and the fresh thing and they're going to bottle shops to get it. Um, is it more that, or is it maybe we as consumers are more nitpicky and even good beers are not good enough anymore? I th I think I think it's we as consumers are becoming more nitpicky because I think. 
it, it's it's like a it's like a trickle effect. It's it's a snowball effect here. It's if the consumer is starting to get more picky about stuff and they start to find things that they like, then they tell their friend who tells another friend who tells their friend who owns a beer bar who then orders. All of a sudden, the distributor is seeing more demand, calling back to the brewery. Hey, can we get some more of that? The brewery's like, oh, crap, we don't have any more. We should probably up production on this. And then slowly but surely, you continue to rise and rise and rise. And now, boom, fast forward five years later, and there's six packs of Bowie IPA in every plaid pantry in the greater Portland area. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of, like I said, that snowball effect. I think I I touched on this earlier. And and again, I haven't had Burnside beer in a while, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing on them. But you got to make good beer. And I think the day, because it's so saturated and because there's so many options, if you make bad beer, people just aren't going to buy it. And what you want to do, the best thing you can do for yourself is get yourself into one of those categories, is find yourself in the small bottle shop, tap room, picky side that I am, or get yourself into that Laurelwood full sale Deschutes rotation of John down the street Go into a Safeway to pick up beer. If you you either got to pick one route, that middle ground is where it's going to fail. Well, I don't know if you necessarily have to pick. I think when you're starting up, you well, not necessarily pick, but you have to understand where you are. Right. I think when you start up as a brewery, you instantly are in the smaller niche crowd, right? For sure. People are interested in you because you're new. You're going to have some buzz, and you're going to be able to hopefully take advantage of being in all the bottle shops for all those people. the The key, I think, is you can't leave that. Without being big enough to leave it for the big for the big show, right? understood. Because if you are doing that when you first open, and that's kind of like a small niche thing, and you go, well, let's let's expand a little bit. Let's let's give some more to the big supermarkets, and we'll take some out of the bottle shops because we don't have enough inventory. That's when you enter no man's land mm-hmm. because people who are in supermarkets don't know what you are yet. And right. you're right. There's not a lot of supermarket shoppers that are like me who's looking and seeing what's new there. They're just picking. They're mm-hmm. just gra- they're opening the case, they're grabbing a beer and they're they're going up to the front to check out because they hate being there. Um you have to be able to manage it where you stay in the bottle shop rotation while growing yourself and potentially maybe entering a supermarket or entering a a boutique supermarket and trying to spread that way. I think um uh I think oh my god. I just had it and I lost it. I was going to say Barrelick, but I don't think Barrelick's in New Seasons yet. Um, there's one brewery that that I've seen a lot of in bottle shops, and now I see them also in New Seasons and like Zupans. Yep. And they're getting into the boutique supermarkets without leaving that original spot, and that's how they're going to be able to grow without getting stuck in no man's land. Well, I was going to ask when you're at Albertsons, can you get sticky hands? No. No. Okay. I can get it at New Seasons. For sure you can get it at New Seasons. Sticky Hands, you used to be able to only get in bottle shops the day it was dropped off. I mean, I know people that, quote unquote, would chase trucks. Right. You know, like, hey, has has this place gotten their delivery yet? Yeah, they did. Okay, well, then they go to this spot next and then this spot. Okay, okay, I'll meet them there. Because it was there wasn't a whole lot being made. And now... The quality product that Block 15 has made, now they're in boutique, every boutique grocery store they're in. And that is the progression. That is what I mean about the snowball effect. That they don't need to be making, you know, 100,000 barrels of beer a year by any means. But they gained enough of a reputation in the in the beer nerd world and were able to up production enough to put it in to boutique grocery stores. And I also think that still being able to give to the smaller bottle shops 
some of your new releases mm-hmm. and, and maybe just do a small, small release of it in cans, right? And that's what you give to the bottle shops. That keeps those people interested. Then they'll come to your place to get it because it'll still be on tap and you mm-hmm. didn't have to can the rest of it. And you've still grown into that thing. I think that's the right trajectory to take. Yep. But I also think there's a lot of breweries in this city that are stuck in that no man's land because they tried to grow too fast mm-hmm. and they left the early spot before advancing past that point. Right. So maybe that's it. Right. And I, I don't want to name names necessarily, but there are a couple breweries on my brain that are doing things right now to make another step. But it only time will tell. You know, they've got probably a year or so to see if they've made that jump. And if they don't make that jump, then things are going to get scary. Yeah. So that 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 sounds like it might be, at least between the two of us, the best answer. People are a little bit more nitpicky. But the, you gotta you gotta strategically mm-hmm. grow. You mm-hmm. can't just grow and say screw the old people that were small. You just gotta strategically grow in, in the right way. And then again, make good beer. Of course, I think that goes without saying. But I mean, you're right. Some places don't make good beer. Yeah, people. I mean, yeah. I mean, isn't is Portland saturated? No. What do you mean? There's like 90 plus breweries in this town. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, how many are worth a damn? Ten. I mean, more. I think more than that. But and, and again, I'm I'm extremely picky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how I feel. I mean, even even if I were to even if I were to stretch that to twenty, I mean, twenty is still twenty percent of what's out there. Right. So that means there's still eighty. There's a lot of bad beer in this town. I'm not gonna lie. That's just kind of the reality. Because even if I were to say there's twenty breweries in this town that I like, that still leaves another eighty that I don't. And again, that's just my opinion. But I think there's a lot of people out there in the picky beer world that would agree. But I also think there's a very large population who are not in the picky beer world. Right. Who and will it's think down the that, street and who, I'm in. Who will think that any of those 80 are delicious. Right. Right. So, I mean, it just depends. It's that's that's more, I think, a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. But so I guess my que- we'll answer the, the big question here at the end. In your opinion, what is the future of breweries in Portland? Are we going to see more clothes? Are we going to see, is this just kind of bad timing, all of it's happening in one month and then it's going to kind of end? It's just an anomaly. Um, are we going to see the quality go up and that's that's how more people are going to stay afloat? What do you think? I think we're going to see, I think 2019, I think 2019 is going to see a lot of closures. Hmm. I just do. Um, because of the quality is what I think. And I mean, if if Burnside has if Burnside has great food and you like it, then why are they closed? See what I mean? There's just so many more factors into what can shut your brewery down right. these days. So what I said earlier, it doesn't right. mean it, they were bad. Yeah, yeah, it could have been could have been a number Anything. of things. But yeah. that's what I mean. There's so many variables at play that I just don't know if everybody has the right people in place, the right the right uh, thought process to keep that going. Running with the a right, business is hard. Yeah, with the right plan, the right design, you have to have a plan and you have to have people and execution. And I don't know if that is the truth right now. I don't know if there are enough of those people around to make that happen. Well, I hope you're wrong. I hope I'm wrong too. Hope- I'm not one of those people, so I don't mean to bash on anybody by any means because I, I, I mean, I got ideas, but I don't know how to implement to make your brewery super successful per se, but I I don't know many people in this town that do know that. And the ones that do know that work for great companies and are doing really well. I, I'm just I hope you're wrong because that would mean a lot of lost jobs and a lot of Agreed. places that, that make beer that would be gone. And it would be really crappy 
you know, for somebody for an up and coming market like Austin, Texas or Asheville, North Carolina, and even people that are already established like San Diego or Colorado to start hearing that all these breweries in Portland are closing. That's a, that's a bad image yep. for us because when you're that far away, that far removed, you don't know why. And right now we kind of don't know why. I mean, we've got ideas. We're kicking around ideas. I think at the end of the day, it boils down to quality of product. But like you said, people could be closing for various amounts of reasons. You know, Widmer has no reason to close their tap room, and they did. Right. So, I mean, you know, and you would think Burnside would be doing everything they can to keep their place open. So there's so many factors. I would hate for that image to just be tarnished from established cities and up-and-coming cities because I think it's one thing that, you know, we get to hold kind of over everybody's head is that well, we're, we take pride we're, in it, we're yeah. beer mecca. Yeah. And people come to this town and travel to this town because of that. I mean, if it keeps all the Californians out, then I'm in. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> oh, you're such an Oregonian. <laughs> all right, so there's our future of breweries in, in Portland episode. We, I mean, I guess we don't really have a solid answer. We're just kind of, we're guessing a little bit. We're talking about what's going on right now. It's something we're going to be continuously talking about on this podcast. But we'll have to keep tabs on it because we're going to have more in the brews episodes that are going to come out. And I'm sure there's going to be more news. Hopefully less of it, less mm-hmm. frequently. Hopefully there's more positive news that we can talk about. Um, but, you know, beer releases and going to cans and p- breweries growing and growing successfully. I-, I hope we get more of that because that just makes me happy. This stuff, this kind of stuff doesn't make me happy. Yeah, it doesn't make me happy either. So, you know, if if you're thinking about, you know, if, if, if you're sad and, and you're a little down on Burnside closing, go go check out the new Vagabond. There's a new one. There's a new guy in town to root for now. But... Also, what I will say is if there's a place that you like, but you haven't purchased a beer or gone in a while because there's other new places, go back. Yeah, support maybe them. check it out. Go support them because you know you like it and you just haven't gone because, well, there's this and this and this and this that I have to go try. I know. Now you got me thinking like, man, I wish I could go to Burnside just because I hadn't been in a long time and I hadn't had their beer in a while. I think you gave me some of that permafrost when we were watching the MLS Cup final. Yes. Yes, I did. I and, that... and I brought in two sticky to roll as a beer of the week. Oh, ones. right, right. Um, but yeah, so just... Keep that in the back of your mind. We we all fall victim to wanting to do the new thing all the time, but there's places that deserve your business mm-hmm. that you haven't given your business to in a while. Yeah. So think about that as well. All right. Coming up next, beer of the week time. You said it was unique, and you brought the snifter glasses out again. Yep. So I'm I'm curious as to what we have. That's next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. The bottle looks like a San Pellegrino bottle, mm-hmm. and uh, we both forgot our bottle openers, so Patrick's using a lighter, which I have not seen before. I guess it's common. He he acted strange when he when I said I've never seen someone use a lighter to open a beer bottle before. But... It is super strange that you didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I'm not around people who smoke a lot, so I guess that's probably it. I mean, it's not even just that. It's just It, it just creates a fulcrum, so okay. you can just kind of... Oh. All right. Oh, yeah. That was easy. Well, although we're getting some booblies coming out now. Uh, so the beer of the week in the San Pellegrino bottle is an Orval. Orval. Orval Trappist Ale, a Belgian Trappist Ale, hence the snifter glasses. That is that is some foam aroma. That is design. That is design. Is mm-hmm. that like the 20-minute Pilsner thing where it just keeps going and going and going? Kind of, yeah. Because it's still growing on top of my glass here. It's yep. poofing up into a little, like... Uh, little muffin top over here yep that's kind of its goal um this beer is it's a belgian trappist ale orval is one of the older breweries in in the world 
Um, this is meant to be drank in a chalice. Okay. Actually, so our snifters are actually not the right use for it. Close enough. More of like a wider mouth because of this. Um, if you can look online and kind of see, kind of see some of the chalices they have to do that. Um, this is my buddy Todd. Uh, this is his favorite beer okay. of all time. He got me onto this beer, and it's damn near indestructible. So you can put it in your fridge and drink it whenever you want to. So I put this beer in my fridge probably six months ago. Was like whenever I'm feeling a Trappist and Orval, I've got one in the fridge. So it's bought. It was bottled on January third, twenty seventeen, and it says it's best before January third, twenty twenty two. All right. Yeah. So we're we're in the early middle part of the aging process. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of a Trappist ale. I don't know what it is. It's before I take a sip. Explain because I'd like to kind of have an idea of what I'm getting myself into here. Sure. Sure. Trappist ales. There are only like fourteen something like that actual certified trappist breweries in the world okay um to be trappist you must be at a monastery um there these are the monks these are the monks that started making beers most of them are in belgium then there's a couple circulating around in like uh france oh i just saw this list the other day too they, there's a, there's one in america now um but the mostly mostly belgium mostly european uh and what it is is it's these monks have to oversee the brewing process um and most of them are open fermented, and these guys. So they're what's, like sours, then? No, not necessarily. But they're open ferment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. Or no, sorry, they're not open fermented. They're top fermented. Um, and so these guys, basically, they don't really make money off of it. All the money they make from these beers is to make livable life for the monks, and any profits made go to charities. Okay. Um, and it's just some of the oldest styles of stuff. So if you see things like like doubles, tripels, quads, those are kind of Trappist ales. Um, people make Trappist ales, but they cannot be called Trappist ales unless they are part of the ITA. Okay, so I got gotcha. so you. It's just old people making old beers. If you have a double, that is technically a Trappist ale, but it can't be called that because random brewery it in is Portland a Trappist made a double. style. Yes, yes. That's kind of the idea about that. So this is a really fun beer. It's it's Belgian. It's got this kind of like ambery, not see through color to it. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a hazy amber look to mm-hmm. it to me. Its head retention is phenomenal. Oh yeah, mine stopped bubbling over the rim, and now it's just a a nice pointy hat of a head. Yeah, it's it's a really cool out there, like very different beer than the kind of beers breweries in Portland are making, um, but. I saw it in the fridge, and I was like, oh, it might be fun to talk about these old-school breweries. I these agree. old-school styles. Um, question. Simple Answer. question. If I take a sip of this, it's going to get all over my nose and my mustache. Is it? Well, because of look at how tall over the top it is. Okay. What's wrong with that? I'm just. Is that okay? Is that like Do I have to wait for it to lower? No, you're fine. Bit? You can drink it whenever you want. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to take a sip now. I'm trying to find trying to find let's see where are these guys there's 14 monasteries six are in belgium two in the netherlands one in austria italy england france and spain and then one in the united states that is a wild beer i don't oh my i don't know how to describe this at all first of all it did get on my nose and mustache yeah uh second of all whoa 
You're, so it's not open fermented, and it says no. It, sorry, it's not. It's top fermented. It does not taste like a sour. The the it says I'm looking at some history of its stuff. The the Trappist order originated in a monastery in La Trappe, France. Um, the let's see, these monasteries that have already existed for many years, and by 1664, the abbot of La Trappe felt they were becoming too liberal, so they introduced strict rules in the abbey. And that's kind of where this kind of stuff started in the sense of, like, don't touch my beer. Like, you can't call my beer unless it's the real beer. I honestly cannot describe this beer. I just took two sips of it, and I'm trying to let it sit on my palate, and I'm trying to think of flavors that make sense in my brain. I don't think I've ever had a beer close to this flavor before. Sweet. (laughs) Ever. Zing, ding, plus one. Uh, it's, it's, It's Belgian. I get Belgian yeast all over the place on this bad boy. It's like, what's the best way to describe Belgian yeast? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, you get that kind of banana estery kind of character from it. And I could be kind of with you. I don't really know how to describe Belgian yeast. I just know when I taste it, I taste it. That I'm just. It's a pretty obvious. I just flavor took another sip. I'm trying really hard for the sake, since the microphones are on, to think of descriptive words to describe the beer. And outside of describing how it looked and how the head kind of built up and is is being retained, it I don't there's no I can't compare this to anything. <laughs> I uh I, what is this sorcery? <laughs> I I get I get some kind of What are the monks doing? I get some kind of and I mean this in a very complimentary way. I mean, I get some kind of muskiness, almost uh almost like a like a damp basement. You know, again, okay. again, it doesn't sound positive, but I mean it in a positive way. Okay. It tastes old. It does taste old. I know that's not a good, like, flavored. I don't mean as in terms like the beer has gone bad. It just, to me, it tastes very, I don't know. It like ta- rich mahogany and old wooden ships. and <laughs> It tastes like Game of Thrones. Like, I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. I was going to say the Anchorman thing, but yeah, <laughs> it tastes like Game of Thrones. Um you know, like something like like this is what they're drinking back then, but just not refrigerated and bottle conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, when you say that, it makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started describing a damp basement, as <laughs> disgusting as that sounds, I kind of could. And it's, trust me, it's not disgusting in the flavor. I I kind of understood what you were saying. I just, I'm trying to find a flavor that makes sense to my palate. And there isn't one because I'm not really getting any of the banana that you mentioned at all, at all. It kind of hits you. I guess I guess what I'll say is I, I, I understand that it's fermented, right? I get the fermentation pretty early. I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. it's alcohol. It's a fermented alcoholic drink. Um, it's actually pretty. Uh, maybe not flavorless, but it's not strong in any way throughout the middle. I don't think it's meant to be. That's what I'm saying. So maybe that's part of the reason I'm struggling is. In the middle of my palate, I don't get very much flavor sticking out. It's just going through the palate. And at the end, there is a bit of a flavor kind of latched onto the back of my palate. And I wonder if that might be the Belgian yeast that you're talking about that's kind of lingering at the back. But yeah, this is a this might be one of the simplest, most funky beers that, that we've had as a beer of the week so far. Because it's not blowing me over with flavor, but it also is not bland, if you know what I mean. I think, I mean, I think this beer is just meant to just drink, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it's meant to necessarily like 
have tasting notes? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's got tasting notes. Every beer does, but I think it's, I think it's just meant to, to just kind of be an all day, every day drinker. All I right. mean, it does sit at about six percent. I think six point nine. Oh, that's a little heavier than I thought. But I think it. Yeah, I think it's just, just trying to drink this beer. All right. Well, I'm sorry that I couldn't do a better job describing it to you. Um, not sure if that's better or worse than describing it as a damp basement, but. Uh, <laughs> That is the uh, the Orville, what, what was it called? The Orville. Tri- it's just Orville. Orville. This brewery makes this. Okay. So if you find it, it's just called Orville. O-R-V-A-L. Yep. The brewery was built in 1931. Just finding some, just kind of looking for some cool facts here. Um, the brewery was designed by Henry Vays, if I'm saying that correctly, who also designed the distinctive Orville beer glass, which is the, the chalice that it's in. Okay. Um, it was originally sold in barrels. Before selling it in bottles. Okay. And Orval was the first Trappist beer to be sold nationally around Belgium. Cool. Well, there you go. That is our beer of the week. Go yeah. try it so you can understand what on earth we're talking about. It's you, very strange. You, I would be very surprised if you can find Orval at a boutique grocery store, but I guarantee you almost every bottle shop in town has Orval. And if they don't, they should. Just because it's just such a classic traditional Belgian style beer that we should be celebrating and drinking lots of. And it looks like it's in the small little like San Pellegrino bottle. It's so simple. It's a really, it's not, it does not look like a beer bottle at all. So don't go looking for that. There's kind of a diamond purple logo if you're looking for it. And that's it. It's very simple. Give it a try. And if you, if you do a better job of finding tasty notes than we do, let us know on social media at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter, Patrick's at P did zero eight five on Instagram and that'll wrap up the podcast today. Hopefully, uh, you guys aren't too depressed about the state of the breweries after that. Trying to be, well, I'm trying to be a little bit more neutral about it because we're not really sure. We're just guessing, and we're we're educated guessing, but we're guessing. And uh, hopefully, it's not as uh, bad as as it could be going into this year. Coming up uh, next week, I think we should do another style okay. next week um, because this weekend I've got family in town, and I'm not going to be able to go out and record an on-location one, but we do have our next on-location one set, uh, which we should probably do in a week or two. We're going to do Lewitt in mm-hmm. Vancouver, and uh, Patrick and I actually went there just this past weekend, and I actually went there for the first time. So that'll be our next on-location for sure. I know we've promised a lot of places. We are doing Lewitt next. We're doing Lewitt. I guarantee it. Um, would you like to do Zwickelmania? Yes, I would. So that is not this coming Saturday, the next Saturday. Okay. If you wanted to come down to ye old Milwaukee, we could do that as well. We could do that as so well. We got Zwickelmania, we got Lewitt, we got a style episode all coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, feeling pretty good. And uh, we are confident in our ability to do all those things. <laughs> um, so as, as much as we've said things that we're going to do, trust me, we're still working on all the things that we've said. We have not forgotten them. We're not leading you astray. Uh, they will happen. It's just scheduling and getting people to agree to stuff. It's not the easiest thing in the world sometimes. Yeah, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. So that's coming up the next few weeks. As always, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review uh, wherever you find us. And uh, I know, Patrick, you wanted to say something before we wrap this thing up. Yeah, just real quick. Um, I mean, I know a lot of us heard the news. Um, just want to just want to kind of say out there, rest easy, Jim Parker. Uh, your beers are now on all of us. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Deuces. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.